Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John. And as always, I'm joined by Danielle Caroli, the judge, the new bean enthusiast, the recorded grade owner. Welcome to the show. You can tell you've exhausted all of your creativity <laughs> and whatever these are when you start pulling things out like that, John. How are you? I wasn't prepared today for a catchy something. And I try to, you know, sprinkle in like niceness here and there because I feel like I'm always just like ribbing you. But I'm going to start writing them down and get the really good juicy ones flowing, okay? I thought you had a whole list already, but. That's for the uh, the end of the show. I have a list for that. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I see. I see. So I'll how's it going list. there? Good. It's going <laughs> great, man. We're, we're, uh. Our goats are clipped, except for the babies, and we're getting ready for a show this weekend, so I'm excited to be out there. By the time this airs, it'll be already said and done, and you know, we're just hoping not to get our butts beat too bad, but we'll see. That's exciting. Oh my gosh, you must be itching to get out in the ring. Not really. <laughs> usually, usually I'm like, like, yeah, let's go, but like... This show, it's it's a fun show, and it's good to see the people, so I'm looking forward to that, but besides that, this year, like we talked about last week, this year's just kind of like a lull year for my herd, so I mean, I'm excited to show my guests, but I'm not like, oh man, I can't wait, so we'll see. Understandable. What's Understandable. good with you? I have finished with kidding season, and I oh. am so happy to pretend I have my life back. This is all in my head. I know I do not have my life back whatsoever. I'm telling myself I have my life back and kidding season is finished for 2023 for us. You just jogged my memory. I guess I suppressed the fact that we too are done with kidding season. Uh, The last kidding was hard, man. What a tough, tough kidding, but. I was going to say mine was too. I woke up, went to the barn to do chores, and I got to the barn, and there was a baby, and I had to go all the way across the pen and pick him up, and then put him in a tote, milk out the dam. It was traumatic. If we didn't have a guest on this this call right now, I we'd be finishing out this episode by yourself. Just so <laughs> you know, I dislike you so much right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our last kidding wasn't so easy at all. We had Mary Mac kid last Thursday. She presented a head and a leg, front leg, and that was it. And we were able to get that one out. It was a tough pull, and Tierney was thankfully there to help. And you know, she was gloved up, and I was like, better check her because it was like 10 or 15 minutes. 
So she goes in and she feels a nose and she's like, oh, it's a little petite nose though. So I think we'll be okay. And I'm like, all right. So we give her some time and she's not progressing at all. All of a sudden, like she's finally progressed more and we see something in the, the birth canal. So, you know, we go, Tierney goes in and it's just ahead and it's stuck and <sighs> stuck good. It took 15 or 20 minutes of pulling and pushing and trying to rearrange with no avail because the kid was so stuck. And we tried a kid puller once we were able to like create some room and we broke the Kelly kid puller. So yay us. Oh and my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We finally got him out. We somehow by the grace of God did not tear Mary Mac and the both bucks lived. We uh, have concluded kidding season with with the uh, two twin bucks and yeah, you know what are you gonna do? Oh my gosh, that is not a fun way to go out for sure. Yeah, it was rough, and probably about a couple minutes after the second one came out, Mary Mac was just in shock and I thought she was gonna go lights out. Like she just put her head on the kid and just I in fact I put a picture on our farm page, I believe, and like it was a cute picture and all, but at that moment I was like, we gotta do something to get her out of shock. So I had to throw water on her head and that that snapped her out of it and then she came to and she's doing okay. So good. That's good. Good. Good to hear. Danielle, before we get to our guest today, we've got a little bit of ad good news. Do we want to just cruise right through that? Go for it. All right. Well, guys, a lot of the membership has requested it. It's been a big topic on the old Facebook. Your finished champions that are pending can now be submitted in a job form, and you can get a pending form for that animal to show in champion challenge class. So that's a big win. Oh, it really is. I'm excited. While I'm not going out this weekend to show next weekend, I am hopefully bringing out one of those does and going to be submitting my jot form and filling that information out and being able to compete with her in champion challenge. I'm excited. I I don't know if I'll be dragging my finished champions out anytime soon, but I will fill out that form just to have, Hey, Danielle, if you wanted to call, the office guess what you could <gasps> the phone people lines are open. are open they are open and people are saying that they've had good success um i think the whole time isn't as terrible as it was in the past so kudos to the office for opening up the phone lines and getting members issues fixed i mean that's a big win for the membership again i mean i've got a call Because I've got a goat that I've never received her papers. And word of advice on that. Again, Mm -hmm. if you call and there is a hold time, ringside is a great way to pass the time while you're waiting for them to answer. So put ringside on in one device and call with another. I'm going to give, I'm going to just make the suggestion to the office when I call in that uh, they should really think about just putting old episodes at ringside as their hold music. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) 
I guess we should just go ahead and introduce him, Daniel. This week, we are joined by Bob Bartholomew. Bob is an advanced judge, appraiser, and although doesn't have goats now, has been part of the dairy goat world for many years, bringing some top-notch animals along the way. Welcome to the show, Bob Bartholomew. Thank you, John. Danielle. Great to have you on. And Bob, obviously, we know who you are because we're in the same state and in the same area. So we see you and talk to you often. But for the listeners, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with dairy goats? Sure. Well, um, this year, I believe, marks 50. I hate to say that word, but 50 years that uh, I've been involved with dairy goats. Started with them uh, as a 4-H member with just a unregistered doe that I bought from someone and uh, kind of grew from there. I started with that one and before I knew it, I had quite a collection and started showing and have not looked back. Today, we're talking about showing goats uh, to their best ability. Let's hear about your years of showing goats, not only for yourself, but others and maybe some fun memories that you have from along the way. Well, as I said, when I started, it was not a family. It was not a family thing. It was just me. Um, I'm not from a farm. And I was the crazy kid that had chickens in the backyard and the chickens grew to chickens and ducks and then chickens and ducks and rabbits and then chickens, ducks, rabbits and goats. And then even went on from there to other things like cows and llamas and other things. There wasn't, uh, it wasn't something where my family went out and looked for a really good kid or a really good animal for me to start with. As I said, I started with an unregistered grade goat from someone I, someone I knew. And as a matter of fact, it was a cross between a Toggenberg and a La Mancha. And she had Toggenberg markings, but La Mancha type ears. Her name was Sasparilla. And because she was not anything special to look at, Back at that time, my way to my way to shine and my way to maybe win a ribbon or win a blue ribbon was through showmanship because my goats didn't really stack up to a lot of the other ones that were out there. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where where I started. And for my first several years as a 4-H member, a lot of the years I was a 4-H member, I concentrated on showing and showmanship because that was the way that I could really win a blue ribbon or, or win one of the prizes at the show because my goats were not good enough type-wise to be able to do that. Along the way, I, I've handled goats for people at all kinds of shows all over the country. I've handled it at nationals. I've handled it many, many, many local and regional shows. And, uh, you know, I, lots of times, one of the, one of my ways of relaxing and enjoying myself was just going to a goat show as an, as a, uh, a, a spectator and just sitting and watching the animals and, and visiting with friends. As we all in this business know, a lot of our best friends are friends we've met at these shows. And, and that's something I enjoy doing is just going to shows and sitting and relaxing and watching. And at almost every show, somebody inevitably says, I need a handler. We need, we need help. Can you get up and show a goat for me? So I've shown a lot of goats over the years. And even though I don't have uh, any of my own at the present time, and I haven't had for several years, uh, I still show as much as I want to. I could certainly show more if I wanted to do it. There, There's always people looking for help. So 
uh, it's something I, I could really do anytime I want. Right. And yeah. like you said, you've been to many nationals just to show goats and handle them for other people as well. And are, you definitely are one of those handlers that are in demand and people will make sure you're coming because they know that when you handle that animal, you were going to be showing her to her best advantage. And when we were putting together this topic, that was what we really want to talk about today is the tips and tricks to show a doe off. Because obviously there's things you want to do, set them up, but then there's things you can do to really allow that doe to shine and hide her flaws and accentuate her strengths. To start off with this conversation, what would your best advice be for anyone on how to really allow that doe to shine in the ring? The first thing I would say, and I I say this oftentimes or, or nearly always when I'm judging, is there are two things that to me are, are extremely important. First of all, you have to know the parts of the dairy goat. I almost, almost always ask in showmanship some parts to the to the kids and try to stress how important it is that they know where the parts are because as we talk about showing or you talk about uh, your animals in general if you don't know where the thurls are it's kind of hard to work on fixing them if a judge tells you that your animal has a problem that the thurls are too low or the thurls are set back too far if you don't know where the thurls are so my first the first comment I would have to say, and as I do often, know the parts of the dairy goat. Secondly, and almost import, as importantly, is know your animals. Know your own animals and know how they look their best. There's a lot of ways to do that, but those are the two things that for me to start off with will make all the difference. <laughs> that's, that's something that I see a lot of that. Some of the club shows we go to where you might see some newer exhibitors and uh, the judge will be talking about just the, the parts of the animal anyway. And the person's looking at them like they've got five heads, not because they disagree with what the judge is saying, but they simply just don't understand what they're saying. Exactly. It's amazing how many people don't know the difference between the point of shoulder and the point of elbow or, or <laughs> where the thurls are or the pins. And there are other parts, but again, those are some of the common ones that, that we, that we talk about. We, you know, we will oftentimes discuss where their differences and it's just imperative to know where they are, you know, and one of the things, especially to 4-Hers and youth. um, And if I can, if I can get the ear of a 4-H leader is if it's at all possible, if you can find one at a yard sale or at a flea market or even free along the side of the road, and I've seen many of them over the years, is a big mirror. Get yourself a mirror that you can set up at your barn or you can set up on your backyard against a tree, against the barn, you know, set it up so the wind doesn't blow it over and break and practice setting up your goat in front of a mirror so you know what she looks like. Mm -hmm. And maybe the first time you set her up, you set her up without looking in the mirror. Set yourself on the on the side of the animal, you know, where the mirror is, so you can't see the mirror. Set her up, and then get and then move yourself around to the other side and look in the mirror and see what you think about that animal. You can learn a whole lot by looking in the mirror. 
That's that's really sound advice and, and advice that we have heard from other breeders in the past. So it sounds like that's a tool that a lot of the top end breeders and, and goat owners have, have used. And I want to kind of get into the show ring aspect of this. And, and that would be, let's just start with the easy thing. Can we break down some specifics and, and let's start with what would be like an ideal pace that you walk a goat when you're walking them on the collar in the ring? A normal, just a normal walking pace. You don't have to crawl and you don't want to go too fast. Um, mm-hmm. In my experience, most people tend to want to go too fast. Yeah. Um, there are those, there are those on the other side of things that exaggerate and go extremely slow. If you remember, if you go back and look at what the scorecard says, it talks about showing your goat to her, to, to her best advantage. And it talks about being inconspicuous. You need to be able to move that animal at a normal speed and look natural, normal walk. Don't draw attention to yourself. When you walk extremely fast, when you walk extremely slow, you draw attention to yourself. And when, you, when you're judging, you want, you want the judge to focus on the animal and not on you. And the fact that you're you're walking way too slow or that you're walking too fast. So that's the first thing. That makes a lot of sense. And it also, in why we keep these animals at that natural pace. And I kind of think of it as you're walking and it's just a leisurely stroll that you're going about. You're not running or walking down the streets of New York city and trying to keep up with the crowd and you're not lollygagging on a walk, but it's a nice steady pace. And do you want to explain why that's helpful in terms of what the animal looks like if they're going too fast or they're going too slow and how that's detrimental to them? There's a lot of variables that can, that can come into play with that, but you know, if if they're going too fast, first of all, you know, you, you don't get to maybe look at them as well as you would like to. Um, I've seen those where, you know, there maybe isn't quite as much milk in the runners as, as there could be. You know, they're not they're not bagged to, you know, their potential. And you get those like that and you walk them too fast and that other kinds of swings around there and and it makes it look like the attachment uh, attachments are really lacking, which they may or may not be. But again, the faster you walk, the more movement you can get in that memory system if it's got any issues to start with. You're going slow and and too slow. First of all, you know, you're you're kind of holding that animal up from her natural motion. And let's face it, when they walk at their own natural pace is when they look their best. And when you slow them really, when you really slow them down, uh, either they're they're they can be fighting the collar to try to, to try to move faster. You got the person behind you creeping right up on your goat, either biting its tail or, or bumping into the back of your animal. Um, you know, it, and, and as a judge, it, it gets sometimes kind of frustrating when you get one person who goes extremely slow, slow and you want to see a class move around the ring and everybody's held up by that one animal. No, exactly. I, I don't know about you, but I definitely, when I want to see these animals, so much of it is seeing them on the move. And so having that animal 
one animal hold up everybody and you're not able to see the animals walk. It really does a disservice to everybody in that ring. I want to ask this next question and kind of a background for this is there was a brief period of time where I was involved in beef cows as well. And I remember one showmanship class or clinic that they were talking about and this, like I said, this is one class, so it might not even really be a true thing in the beef cow showmanship world. And obviously we're dealing with much bigger animals than our dairy goat. They were saying that as a showman, you should try and keep your feet in sync with the animal moving. So they take a step, you take a step. Do you think that applies to dairy goats? Is that something we should almost be keeping in the back of our mind? Obviously, disclaimer, probably more for standard animals than those Nigerians. I was just about to say. (laughs) You know, uh, my, my opinion about that, especially for any young people, you know, that are thinking about that is let's concentrate on getting your goat moving. Don't worry so much about, about how, how your feet are stepping or whether you're in time. If things are moving like they should, you're going to be pretty close to the same as that goat anyway. Because when the goat steps, you're going to step, or as you step, the goat's going to step with you if it's trained to lead properly. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get all wound up that, you know, you're not in exact unison with your goat as you're moving out about the ring. I've never heard that. Uh, very honestly, I've, I, I've never heard them say, you know, that you should you should step the same as your animal. Um, it's certainly not anything that I would get that I would get too worried about. Well, when you're when you're moving around the ring, is there anything that you as a handler should kind of keep in the back of your mind as you're moving about? Like, I don't know, keeping the head up or, or any kind of tips to make your animal look good on the move absolutely don't crowd don't crowd up on the person in front of you you know don't walk right up on the tail of the goat in front of you spacing spacing is important don't don't get too close to the animal in front of you and another thing that's maybe a little bit of a pet peeve of mine is if the goat, if the judge is asking you to walk around the ring, it means the judge wants to see those animals moving. And just as a little bit of a side note, when we do judges trainings, and I'm on the I'm on the judges training and evaluation, uh, judges training and licensing committee, and one of the things that we talk about at our TCs is we should be doing a lot of judging, a lot of our judging as animals are on the move. Danielle, as a judge, and John, even as a breeder and an exhibitor, you know as well as I do that a good handler can do a lot with a goat once they stop them and set them up. They can make a pretty sad animal. They can make a pretty sad animal. You know, it's the old saying, a silk's purse out of a sow's ear. And, uh, you know, when they're on the move, it's not as easy to do that. And it's one of the things that, that we, that we talk about at judges trainings, as I said, is, you know, we try to, we try to, to talk to especially new people and new judges about, doing a lot of your evaluations while those animals are on the move, because that's when you want to see them. That's when you see how they function, how their shoulders work, how their feet work, you know, and and the way they hold themselves together, because, you know, any, any good showman can make, can make a poor animal look, look relatively good or very good, depending on how good of a showman they are once they stop them and set them up. And the other thing with that is I, 
always think people tend to not move enough. And what I mean by that is if a judge asks you to do a side-by-side comparison and you have to walk your animals out and then you have to circle them back, so often I see people don't circle that animal in a large enough circle to really, first of all, allow the judge to evaluate her, but then also not cause issues or make that. So you start moving her in too tight of a circle. She's not going to move as naturally and as gracefully as she would if you allow her to move in a larger circle. And you're going to see issues with the shoulder and the front end assembly that maybe you wouldn't see or that don't actually exist on this animal but because you're maneuvering her in ways that aren't natural it's just not going to do your doe or buck any justice exactly and you know it's it's kind of one of those things where there's you know there's extremes and i agree with you most of the time the vast majority of the time it's like you say the people try to turn them on a dime and it's not necessary you know, when you get to the end of that, walking away from the judge side by side, just spin them to the outside and then gradually bring them back together. That's fine. I mean, occasionally you'll get somebody who will go a big, huge, wide circle and the other jo- goat is standing there waiting for that one to catch up. That's not necessary either. But like you say, don't try to turn them on a dime. Give them room to make a nice natural turn and come back into line. I agree with you. So now when you're handling animals... If you're given a junior doe or a milker, are you handling them differently? Are you setting them up differently while they're at rest? Ideally, there's not a lot of difference. You see people so often that get junior does and because there's no udder there, they really want to exaggerate the width and the way they set them up from the back. And the way I look at that, it's kind of like these folks that shave an extra two inches of height around the around that rear udder arch up into the escutcheon to make it look like the rear udder goes almost up to the vulva you know a a judge that's that's that can look at animals is going to see that and when you get those animals and you spread them out so far that they're standing there looking like a tripod you know that's not showing your animal to her to her best advantage and i will say that a lot of times you know, when, when you set up milkers, you tend to you tend to set it so that the rear legs are, are fairly close to the udder. You don't want to set them way out so that the udder just kind of hangs there again, like a teepee. And in, in junior animals, I think exhibitors tend to exaggerate that rear width more to try to make their doe look wider than she is. But basically, in terms of setting them up, there's really not a lot of difference. Do you find that people set the junior kids legs way too far back as well as being too far apart i find that uh people do that whether it's a kid or not or you know whether it's a jar a dry animal or a milker especially newer people that that haven't got as much experience and again that's where the mirror really comes in you know and and i would say look at some photos that you've seen of of goats, look at some people's websites that, that are showing you some of the some of their best animals and think about the way they look and then go set your goat up and, and look at her in the mirror and think, does she is she set up the way those other goats are set up in those pictures? And a lot of times you'll see that they set their back legs way too far back. 
And, and there are some that'll set them a little too far underneath. I judged a show on Saturday uh, in Connecticut, and I spoke to a young person that uh, when, when they would set up their animal, they would set the rear legs a little bit too far underneath. And I actually walked over and, and took the collar, and I asked that exhibitor to go ahead and walk back about 10 feet and take a look at the animal, and then just tell me what they thought of the way she was standing. And they looked at her and said, well, her rear legs should be back farther. And I said, absolutely. And I talked about using the mirror to set her up. As soon as they, as soon as they could get back and get a look at them, they knew exactly what was wrong. But when they're handling them and they're standing over top, you know, they, they didn't see it as easily. So mm -hmm. again, it goes back to what I said about either. And if you don't have a mirror, that's fine. Get someone else to help you and have you you take your goat, set her up the way you normally would, and then hand the collar to your friend and then back up and look at the goat and see. So you've set her up and you can walk back and look at her and see what she looks like. And do you have a point of reference if you are in that ring for what you or kind of how you place those back feet to make them be under under a doe properly? Is there some kind of visual trick. I mean, obviously we don't have a mirror for that, but if you're just handed a dough really quick before you go in, do you, can you look at her rump and her legs and go, okay, this part has to be here when I'm looking down at her. Do you have any tricks for that? As you know, and I think what you're trying to allude to is, is the, you know, the, if you drop a plumb line from her pin, you know, where that would be when the legs are placed where they're supposed to be, that it would go down through the hock and then right, you know, right along the back of that foot, uh, if you were to drop a plumb line down. And I oftentimes will just stand over top of the dough as I'm setting them and, and just try to imagine if I'm dropping a line down, you know, is it going, is it going through the hawk and right down to that foot where it should? And that's what I use. Since we're talking about looking at the animal and setting them up, obviously everybody likes to pinch down their dough on the back. There are certainly multiple areas that you can pinch down to hide certain flaws. Uh, can you talk to us through where to pinch down a go and kind of depending on how she looks, but um, is there like a certain area that people should be looking to, to pinch them down? Well, there are goats out there. We, we've seen them, Danielle. I know you have and I have, and I'm, I imagine, John, you've seen them. There are some goats out there that are just naturally level enough that you don't have to tickle them down or pinch them down. You know, and mm -hmm. that's what we're all looking for. Those does that have that natural levelness. Um, when we, the problem is when we get those does or those bucks, I guess either one that don't have that, it's that you're trying to you're trying to level out the loin or level out that rump to to make the top line look look straighter, or flatter or leveler. And in order to do that, the majority of, of folks are showing will will. Uh, tickle down or pinch down their their animals by you know tickling them down right in front of the hips uh, at some point over the loin depending on I suppose it could be slightly farther forward if the doe roaches in her loin or maybe a little farther back but basically those are those are maneuvers that you're using if a doe is either roaching or or high in her loin she's she's rounding up over her loin or she's particularly um, not level or steeper in her rump and you're trying to level or flatten that out 
It also is the case where you, if you've got a doe that tends to be a little bit too straight in her hind legs or what we call posty, once you get them set up and you get those rear legs where they need to be, if you tickle the doe down a little bit more or pinch her down a little more, you can push a little bit more angulation into that rear leg. And again, when, when you've got a class and you've got a really good handler on a go that on a doe or, or a goat that's posty and they're just standing in line and they're working that top line on that goat, you, those rear legs can look great, which is why you really need to look at them while they're moving. Right. And I think back to, I had a doe who was weak in the chine area. And I, Mm -hmm. if I I was pinching her down closer to her rump, then I feel like all animals kind of have a sweet spot on their loin. But if I was pinching her down closer to her rump, than farther up on her loin, I could make that top line level out and hide that chine weakness while she was at rest but then when she was on the move it was very apparent that that was where her weakness was on that top line she was short in the chine and it was causing her to dip and then be a little bit more um show more height in that rump and so it just didn't make that nice level top line that we like you kind of do play with it. I think first of all, you have to find where that spot is on your doe or your buck, because some of them are going to be in different places just naturally, but then there's going to be a spot that's just going to make them look a lot better depending on what that top line looks like and how it's put together. It's exactly right, Danielle. And it goes back to the two things that I said when we started, know your parts and know your animal. Know the goat you've got in the ring, even if it's not your animal. Somebody walks up to you at a show and said, hey, can you take this goat in a class for me? Take a couple seconds and look at her before you walk in the ring. And if you've been breeding goats for a while or or you're a judge or an appraiser or whatever, you can look at a goat pretty quickly and, and pick out where her major faults are and her major points. And, and you can right away know how you can fix some of those things when you've got them in the ring. There is a certain point, though, where people are pinching down their animals too much and kind of pointing out the flaws to the judge, though, right? I think we see that more. Um, and I, I, I guess I'm going to go back to, to the doe that Danielle is talking about. When you get animals that are particularly weaker in the chine and you're, and you're trying to level them out to make that chine look stronger, oftentimes you're making that goat really crouch on on the leg. And personally, I think that actually looks worse than just having them stand there with a dip in their chine. In a lot of cases, they get a little bit too extreme and, and, and push them down too hard or too much. Well, that, and I, when I first started showing, I would be, I don't know, there was a split second where I wasn't trying to pinch down an animal while I had them at rest. And I think like people need to like, yeah, it's good to, to pinch them out, but maybe be a little bit less uh, conspicuous about it. Yeah, exactly. What about other tricks to minimize flaws? Obviously there's pinching down, but what about like a uh, point of shoulder? You want us to give out all our tricks? Yeah. I mean, makes- that's what the listeners are here for. <laughs> it makes the it makes others like Danielle and I have to work harder the next time we're judging. Um, <laughs> certainly, 
certainly front ends are one of those areas that uh, a good handler can can really pick up some points on because if you've got a doe that's a little loose in the shoulder or particularly a doe that's out at the elbow, as soon as you stop her, you either put your knee or your leg or your free hand against the shoulder that's closest to you and you push her, you push against the doe and all of a sudden that elbow that was sticking out is nice and snug against the side of the goat again. It, it's easier to work, I think, on those kinds of things. Some of those are, are things that, um, you know, you really, one of the reasons that, that I said is that as judges, we really want to judge them and evaluate them as much as we can while they're on the move because a really good showman can, can make a poor front end look pretty darn good when they're standing in line. Well, I'm going to make you give away even more secrets, Bob. Oh, yeah. How about a doe that's posty? And we'll kind of, since we're talking about rear legs, we'll also put in a doe that's hockey. Well, we talked about, the. I've already talked about the posty one. You know, when you stop her, you get her feet, you get her feet set underneath her where they should be, as we talked about dropping the plumb line down from the pin bone. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you tick, and then you tickle her down just a little harder than you normally would. Uh, maybe a lot of other or th than you would other animals. And you can put more angulation in that rear leg by, by working a little harder on the top line. So that one's one that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people know and do and use on a regular basis. And again, it's, it's up to the judges to really evaluate those animals while they're moving and see how they handle those rear legs and, and how they travel. And then, you know, not put as much weight in the way they're, the way they look as they're standing in line. In terms of hockiness, it, again, it's the same kind of thing. You look at them from behind, and as they walk away from you, you know, their hocks turn in or get very close. Um, occasionally, we see animals that rub at the hocks when they walk around the ring. And it, when they go to set them, you just kind of it, you, you just kind of put your hand around their hock, and as you're going to set the rear leg, just kind of turn it out as you set it. And, you know, you pull those legs out. And some of that takes more practice because – you know, goats that aren't used to it as much are maybe not going to stand there and be be as easy to do that with as an animal that, you know, you really work with and get her used to used to doing that. Oh, the other thing I was going to say about about that in terms of just general things is a, another thing I talk about with kids in showmanship all the time is keeping the collar up underneath the goat's jaw. Keep the collar up at the junction of the jaw and the throat. And don't let it slide down their neck. When you get that collar down around the goat's shoulder or down onto her brisket, that goat can put her head anywhere she wants. When, you get, when you've got the collar up and you can keep her head high, it helps hold that whole front end assembly together. It helps the animal. And in a lot of cases, it helps the animal look more outstanding or walk, look like she's walking more uphill as she moves out about the ring. Where if you let her have her head or you let that collar slide down her neck, She's reaching her neck out or putting her head down. A lot of times her shoulder blades will open up more at the top, you know. So it's important to keep that, to keep the head up. And to do that, you just need to keep that collar up under her throat, up under her jaw where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Oh my and gosh. I tell, I tell kids, I, I was going to say, I tell kids all the time in showmanship about this. And I say, look, your goat not, may not be really happy. And I, I certainly do not in any way encourage anyone to choke their goat or hold them extremely high. A natural height where it's comfortable, but it's so important to keep them there 
And it, it makes such a difference on the front end and the overall balance and appearance of that animal. If their head is coming out of the top of their shoulder, then it is if you let them put their necks out straight. So it looks like their shoulder comes out of the middle of the shoulder instead of the top of the shoulder. And Danielle, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about as a judge. I'm sure you see this as much as I do. I see it. And when I'm working with kids and showmanship, that's one of those things that I try and convey to them pretty quickly and early on, particularly when it's a more involved showmanship class. And maybe we're not just placing the kids, but we're actually really working with them as well. When those kids get that and they start showing that animal and keeping that head held high it changes how that animal looks it changes how that animal is being shown and it just does so many things to really strengthen that animal and show that animal off to their best advantage and all you really need to do with that is to have somebody walk the to see that and get the visual yourself if you're a more visual person is to have somebody walk with the goat and just kind of let it stroll and have that neck kind of down and then hold that head high and pull it up and see the difference there and how she walks and the grace and ease of motion that she has when that head is high it changes how that goat looks it changes the silhouette of that goat and makes her more upstanding. It makes her more smoothly blended from the neck into the withers that, like you said, Bob, that front end just flows a little better. We're not thinking that she's downhill. There's just so much there that you can do a world of difference if you can keep that head held high. And I mean, I know when I'm showing and I have a doe that has that needs to keep that I need to fight to keep that head held high by the time I'm done showing her my arm hurts but you can bet that that head was held high the whole time because that is what I need to do to show her and show her well yep absolutely absolutely it makes all the difference so what about mammary systems what are tips and tricks for mammary systems to show off a mammary system or maybe hide a not so perfect mammary system that's that's one of the areas where um yeah it's i I hate to keep sounding like i'm i'm beating a dead horse here but it's kind of you got to know your animal and you've got to know how she looks her best does she look her best with 12 hours of milk and her udder does she look her best with nine hours of milk and her udder does she look her best with 15 hours of milk and her udder and you need to plan for that and Listen, we all know there's no perfect animal out there. And, you know, when, when you when you start looking at the mammary system and you start looking at, you know, all the different views of it and, and what you're looking for, there are people that try all kinds of things. Um, you, know, you know, they, as I said earlier, they might, they might use a, a razor and shave an inch or inch and a half wide uh, hairless patch around the top of the rear rudder all the way up to the volvo and around the sides and again that that may in fact enhance the look of that rear rudder some but uh, i mean in you as a judge or any of us as judges when we're out there you can put your hands on those mammary systems and we all do it because we have to check teats and you can get a pretty good picture pretty quickly about what that mammary system really is you know in terms of ways to maybe lessen 
some faults, um, going back to some of the things we said earlier. If you're walking them way too fast and there's there's some other attachments that aren't as sound or aren't as tight or as strong, boy, it becomes more evident with every step that goat takes. Because mm-hmm. the looser that udder is and the faster she goes, the more that – and I, I am not exaggerating when I will tell you I have had goats walking around the range so fast with such poor memory attachments that the udder smacked her in the flank every, every step she took. Ooh. And it's not recently, it's, it's many years ago that I, you know, that I, the last time I saw that, but you know, and, and that's where, and it was a goat that was fighting the collar. She wanted to run or get away and they didn't have enough milk in a rudder to start with. And the memory system was not a really strong, it uh, was not a really well attached or strongly attached memory system to start with. And, you know, had there been more milk in that udder, I think it wouldn't have been quite so bad, but again, knowing your animal, knowing when they look their best and at what speed and, and, you know, and how to move them to ultimately show them their best is what it is, what it comes down to. Right. And then the other thing is it's maybe how can you create the optical illusion to present that udder as close to that ideal as possible. So if she's slightly uneven, are you not doing it obviously, but are you placing her leg, her back leg slightly different than square? So is one a little farther back, just a hair farther back to kind of change a slight, kind of rotate her ever so slightly so that that side that's uneven is coming and being a little bit more forward or however it needs to be presented or different things like that to say, okay, this utter is not perfect. There's very few that are, but how can I make it look as close to perfect as possible? And what can we do to change this dough and tweak this dough and how everything's set up so that her udder does look as close to perfect as possible? Yeah. And, and the things you say certainly can be true. And again, I think it's a, it's an animal by animal thing. And I've seen animals where they were slightly imbalanced, where they tried to, you know, put a leg a little bit farther forward or a leg a little bit farther back to try to to try to make that not be as obvious. And some people are more successful at it than others. I mean, I think sometimes when people start playing that, it draws attention. You know, one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this of this uh, discussion was being inconspicuous. But when you set your, you know, we all know that if, if we look at what the scorecard, it talks about squarely setting the animal. And if you put one, one rear leg that's, that's off every time you stop her, it draws attention to that. And, and the judge is saying, why does that person keep setting that goat up with that leg off? You know, and then it draws attention to maybe that something wasn't so obvious that now that you're drawing attention to it, maybe the judge is going to look at it a little closer and say, you know, maybe she's more unbalanced than I thought she was. And they're trying to hide it. So again, I think there's, there's pluses and minuses to a lot of these things that, that people do. And as I said, I think some are more successful than others. Well, let, let's keep talking about some of those things that exhibitors do. I mean, we've, we've been talking about some of it briefly here in the beginning, but uh, what are some things that exhibitors do that take away from the animal? You know, one thing that comes straight to mind for me is an animal that's got a really short fore udder 
and they shave her forerunner up to her navel. It, it comes with practice. It comes with experience. It comes with seeing a lot of animals, you know, and knowing where exactly is the point and, and asking other people and, and, you know, whether it's a, you know, if you've got a mentor out there that you've worked with, that you've bought animals from, or that you really respect and trust what, you know, the, their opinion and what they're going to tell you, ask them, ask them what they think, or ask them if you're not, if you're not knowledgeable enough, or you're not sure about what is the best thing to less obvious or, or not accentuate a problem. You know, in general, I, I thought maybe when you started this question, I thought maybe you were kind of going in a little bit different direction. And the thing that pops into my head is, as you were saying about what do we, what do people do in showing that, you know, that, um, that kind of can take away. And the first thing that comes to my mind is showing an animal with your arm behind your back. I, I was that just so gonna say <laughs> we are gonna bring this I know up because I know exactly it's it's not fitting, it's not the way you set your animal, but it's a very awkward, unnatural position. And when we talk about we talk about showing and we talk about looking at the scorecard, and it, it says you should be incon inconspicuous and you're there to highlight the goat. When you walk around the ring with your arm folded up behind your up behind your back along your waist. How many people do you know that walk around like that? I don't know I think, any. I think it only That's happens in those old-fashioned movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when they're pondering It's a very awkward garden. position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So to me, that's one of the things. And, and I'm not, I, I do know that there are parts, that there, are, there are pockets of folks in the country, around the country, that their 4-H leaders or their FFA advisors or whomever have instructed them that when they're walking around the ring, they should do that. Um, and, and my answer is when, when they ask me about it, I, I always say the same thing. It's not inconspicuous. It's not natural. And it doesn't look comfortable. It makes, it draws the judge's attention away from the animal. And that's the exact opposite of what you want to happen in showmanship. In showmanship or in, in, a, in the show ring, the whole point is to showcase that animal to its best advantage while making yourself as invisible as you can. So the judge sees the shining star of that goat in the ring and doesn't even realize you're standing there. It's just one of those things that I think as a judge, you know, and I'm looking when I look at a class of animals, sometimes I, I'm so concentrated on looking at those animals and, and looking at the way that they're presented and concentrating on them that after the show, someone will ask me a question and say, well, the goat that such and such was showing. And I'll just look at them and say, I have no idea what goat you're talking about, because sometimes I just don't even recognize or don't even pay attention to who's on the collar. Who's holding that goat doesn't matter to me. When the goat is the star, it doesn't matter who's holding her because you're not looking at that. You're looking at the goat. Amen. I do have another question, and that is we get into a ring with an animal who does not want to be in the ring and quite frankly would want to be anywhere else. Do you have any advice for how to show that animal well while they're jumping or they're not letting you touch their back legs? How do you handle a situation like that? 
the first thing I would say, and I, I, I've said this to people in the past, is be patient. We all have days where we're on and we all have days where we're off. And, you know, you're not going to win every single time you're out there. Even if you might have the best animal in the ring, there may be a day when she's just not feeling it. And that happens. It happens to the best of us. They're, they're, it's just life. And everybody's got days when they're really on and everybody may have days where they're really off and animals are the same way. And all I can say, or my, my, the best thing I can say to people is be patient. Don't get, you know, don't get, don't get hyper or, or start jerking the collar around or slapping the goat or doing those kinds of things. Relax is calming and as quiet as you can and, and try to just do the best you can with what she's doing. If she's walking and just doesn't want to stand still, well, then maybe you just need to walk her and, and move her more and not stop her unless you absolutely have to. If you can't set her feet up, get them as close as you can. Use a pressure point on her shoulder, something like that. Get her feet relatively where they need to be and let her stand there. You do the best you can with what you've got. And that is that is oftentimes true. If, if you're showing for someone else and it's an animal you don't know or it's an animal that's not been shown a lot and they just hand you a collar and say, here, could you show this goat for me? And, and you walk out in the ring and she doesn't want to move or she moves and doesn't want to stop or whatever the case may be, you just do the best you can. You know, make the best of it. Don't get, don't get excited. Don't get stressed out. You know, don't get angry. Do the best you can. Yeah, it's just a goat show. Exactly. Well, it's all going to, you know what? It's all going to come out in the wash. And if she's really that good, the next time she's shown, she'll be a little better or maybe a lot better. It's just, it's just the way things are. And there is life outside of, uh, you know, outside of the show ring and goats still can perform and still be really good animals without winning a show. They don't have to win a show to be a really good animal in a lot of ways. And remember, everybody's got different goals. So what's, what's a goal for someone may be, you know, very unimportant to someone else. Again, amen. I mean, that's very valid points that I think that everybody listening should really listen hard to. I mean, really understand what's being said here. John, can I just say one more thing with that? And, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I th- what I think is important to say here, and probably you've all heard this, no matter what that goat does in the show ring, she's still the same goat when she comes out of the ring as she was when you took her in. And if she was your pet and she's one of your favorites and she was that when you went in the ring and she stood last, you know what? When she come out of the ring, she's still your pet. She still may be your favorite goat. Maybe she didn't win a ribbon today, but she's still the same goat that she was when she went in. And, 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 you know, don't try to make something out of something she's not. Do the best you can as an exhibitor and as an owner or a breeder to get her prepared and be as he or she for the show and let the chips fall where they may. You know, uh, people talk about this all the time. And Danielle is another judge. You know, I, I know you'll relate to this. We can judge a show, John, Danielle and I judge a show together and we've done it before. 
where we'll both look at the same animal. We'll both place her. We'll both place that same animal first, or we'll look at another animal. We'll, one of us will place her first, and one of us might place her third. Then we might have another class where we look at an animal, and one of us places her fifth or sixth out of six, and the other one places her first or third. Or we all see animals just a little bit differently. One of the things that, again, that we talk about when we're doing judges trainings is we try to be consistent, and especially we do this in appraiser training, is we all try to be consistent. We all try to see the same things. And as much as we do that, and we, I think uh, one of the things that I can tell you as an appraiser and, and as someone who's been to, I think now about 10 refresher sessions, it's amazing at the end of those refreshers, how close we are as a group to each other when we start looking at these animals and we start looking at traits. But even then, we all still see them a little bit differently. Just remember, whatever that animal was when she went in, she's still that animal when she comes out, even if she didn't win the class. You know, Bob, I was going to ask if you had any final advice for the listeners, but I think you just gave it to them naturally. That was wonderful advice. Well, it's been, you know, I, I've, I've had a judge. I've had my judge's license since um, 1987. So I've been doing this for a few years and um, I cannot tell you how many wonderful, wonderful people I have met along the way. Some of my very best friends, many of my best friends. And I, I, I have just, I have really good friends all across the country because of dairy goats and because of being a dairy goat judge, especially, and even maybe a little bit more, even as an appraiser as well. But um, there's, there's so much to learn and so much enjoyment and friends and things that happen that can happen with goat shows and goat people. And it's just, for the most part, it's just a really, really good group of folks. And um, get out there, come to some shows, have some fun. Even if you don't show your own goats, go and go and visit, go and, you know, support the raffles or, or, you know, just go and, and, enjoy the company of the other folks that are out there. You never know. You know, we learn things all the time and hopefully we're all learning things all the time as we're out there. Just have fun. Bob, this has been a wonderful conversation. If people wanted to learn more about you, uh, where could they find you on the old social media? Oh boy. That's a, uh, you threw me with that one, John. Uh, <laughs> on Facebook, uh, they can certainly find me on Facebook. Uh, that's the easiest way. Just look up my name, Bob Bartholomew. You can find me that way. And you can always message me or send me a, an, uh, a private message if you have a question. I, I'm always willing to try to answer things as best I can. That, that I would say, probably is the, best, is the best way to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bob. When we started working on this episode, and this is exactly the conversation we wanted to have, and we're so appreciative of you taking the time and offering those insights and revealing the tricks because so often there is a difference between the experienced handler and the new handlers. And it comes, obviously it comes with experience, but shedding light on what we can do to really show our animals off to their best advantage. This was just a great conversation and we were so happy to have you on to discuss it. Thanks. Thank you very much for having me on here, guys. Um, one of the thing I would say just as we're closing is if you're new or relatively new and you're not sure about showing, 
but you've you've researched goats or you've bought some goats from a reputable reputable breeder and that breeder shows tag along with them at a show i don't know many goat people who wouldn't be willing to uh let you ride with them or or, or take you along as someone to help at a goat show because there's never enough help at a goat show as you all know amen and <laughs> you can true. learn you can learn so much by just going and helping out someone else and, and watching the show and being there to be willing to help other people handle animals. It's, it's a great way to learn. If you don't know, that's a good way to start. Agreed. Well, thank you again, Bob, for being on. And Danielle, we also have social media and places people can find us and where could they do so? We are on Facebook. If you search ringside and American dairy goat podcast, on Instagram, we are ringside underscore go underscore podcast. On John's favorite social media, we are ringside podcast, which I meant to tell you, by the way, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I was on TikTok for something today and mm-hmm. I happened to have five seconds. So I went to the ringside podcast TikTok. And you failed to mention that a video I sent to you was doing very well and was overperforming many of the other videos that we've posted recently. And what video I have is a, this? It was one of the, and this is the thing, I have a feeling you didn't tell me because it was one of the Nubian videos that we had posted. And you just oh, wanted to sweep it man. under the rug that the Nubian videos and the content there was doing well. So, yeah, mm. I, I know you were talking about my dancing. So I was I was worried for a second there. I was like, no, I, I, I saw I that one too. I I, that. That, that oh yeah, I saw that one. Uh, I definitely saw that one. So, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also find us uh, at DairyGoPodcast.com. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the TikTok dancing. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Bob Bartholomew. And as always, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. And if you're going to talk and talk, you better walk the walk. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.